How many of you know prayer with fasting is like atomic power from heaven? Amen. Come on, it's like atomic power, church. Amen. Yes. So, you know, I don't know. We got some statistics. There was something like six or eight physical healings in the service last week, which for a church our size is wonderful. So just praise God what he's doing. And so many were touched. And we're going to pray at the end of the service like we always do. Uh, for those that may need healing or whatever. Uh, so I want to continue in this series on faith. We'll be through uh, the end of the month. And today's, today's message is faith and agreement. And specifically, I'm going to look at uh, Mark chapter 2. So if you got your Bible, open that up. And we'll look at Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. I love this story. And again, he entered Capernaum, and in some days... And it was heard that he was in the house. Oh, by the way, let me just stop real quick. Uh, I made a, an appeal last week if we could raise over the next few weeks or a few months, or however long it takes, roughly $30,000 or so for some new air conditionings for the youth room. Actually, one of them went out this week. We had to get the AC person in to, to fix it. Uh, we can do that. Someone actually pledged uh, $2,000 on Friday towards that. And so anything you can do to help, we have about already $3,000, I think, in the building fund. So we got about $5,000 uh, already kind of earmarked towards it. Somebody handed me today, there's one air conditioning company in town, I guess, that's trying to help families and nonprofits out. They're kind of going through. And so uh, they'll be deciding. So we, we may apply there and see what happens there, too. But anyways, let's believe God for something. Amen? Amen. All right, let me pick back on my story here. Faith and agreement. So again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them. Look what happens when Jesus is in the house, right? You have a, you have a crowd control problem, right? Not even near the door, and he preached the word to them. Preaching the word is important, right? But also healing the sick. Then came to him bringing a, they, then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. Now, this was not like they moved a couple of shingles and they let a man down. No, they ripped the roof apart, okay? So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. And I don't know about you, but I don't know if I'd want somebody on my roof kind of tearing it apart to let somebody down so that Jesus could pray for them, right? When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven, are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And of course, we know that Jesus is, and he was trying to really make a point to them, right? He is the great I am. He is, right? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to you, paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he rose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. How would you like to be in that kind of meeting, right? 
Well, you kind of were last week if you were here, right? <laughs> Jesus is still healing today. He is not stopped in any way, right? The Apostle Paul said, I didn't come to you in persuasive words of man's wisdom, but in power and in demonstration of the Spirit. Jesus preached the word, but he also demonstrated the reality of the kingdom by healing the sick and delivering the oppressed, raising the dead, and even cleansing the lepers, right? And then furthermore, he told us to go and do the same, right? And so Jesus knew the importance of building faith in the people. That's why he preached the word to them, and he was you know, telling them about God's kingdom, right? But he always backed his preaching and his teaching with a demonstration of the Spirit. That's why we put such a big emphasis on praying for the sick, praying for those that have needs and believing God for supernatural breakthrough, miracles, whatever that is, because we know he's a God of miracles. And if we stop believing that, then all we do is become a nice club and we do some songs and we do some teachings and people don't leave transformed, right? But the power of the cross and the power of the gospel is to not just forgive us as a legal transaction of our sin, but to liberate us from the power of death and to do something in our lives that changes us and transforms us so that we no longer are just ordinary human beings going through life, but we're actually united with Christ doing the greater works that he did. And I tell you, once you get going and moving in this thing of the spirit, you don't want to do anything else. It's exciting. Faith is an important key for the release of healing and miracles. See, to be filled with the Spirit is to be filled with faith. So when we abide in both His Word and we learn how to commune with the Holy Spirit and we learn how to live in that realm of, of, of the Spirit, the Spirit leading us and guiding us, Paul would say in Romans 8, but as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and daughters of God. So being led by the Spirit should be normative for the Christian believer. It's not normal for Christians just to go through religious motions. It's not normal for Christians not how to, hear, not, to not know how to hear the voice of God. It's not normal for Christians not to know how to pray for the sick. And so God's wanting the 21st century church to get back to the reality of where the first century church was at and really believe that we can operate in this realm. You see, for most people, it's not a lack of faith in the greatness of God that hinders their miracle, but doubt in their hearts. You see, you can believe a promise, but at the same time not have the faith to appropriate it. You can believe that God is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides, and not have the faith to appropriate it. You can believe that the Lord is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals, and not have the faith to appropriate it. And so we want to come into a place that's beyond intellectual. You see, faith isn't intellectual, but spiritual. It's primarily in the heart not in the mind that faith flourishes. We have to learn to ignore our senses. You know your five senses will lie to you? In fact, your five senses will take you out of a place of faith if you're not careful. A man by the name of E.W. Kenyon, he was a Baptist brother that got filled with the Spirit. He called it sense knowledge faith. We want to move from sense knowledge faith, what I can see. I'll believe if I can see it. Remember Doubting Thomas? 
I'll believe it if I can hear it, touch it, feel it, right? And so we're in that sense realm. God wants us to move out of that and, and learn how to hear what the Spirit is saying and discern what the Spirit is saying. That's faith. You see, real faith hears what God is saying, sees what God is revealing, and then says, okay, Lord, you reveal this in your word. We're going to go after this. That's what faith is. You see, faith really can only be received as it's imparted to the heart by God himself. As we read his word, we spend time in worship and prayer in his presence, faith continues to grow. But Paul would tell us that God has given each a measure of faith, Romans 12. And so what, it's up to us to take that faith that he's given us and to cultivate it. You see, there are factors that affect faith. Number one, your theology. Do you have a theology for healing and miracles in the supernatural? Secondly, your experience. Sometimes people don't have a theology that God will move in supernatural ways or healings or miracles because they haven't seen it, so therefore they don't believe it. But that's not real faith. That's going by your lack of experience. Sometimes related to that is circumstances. Sometimes folks have a lack of faith because of the circumstances they're in. So dear brother Tony shared about his eye, you know, hit when he was a young boy with a rock in that eye, and the eye goes blind, and he's blind for over 40 years. And so the circumstances and the doctors, everything's dictating, that eye is never going to change until one day. <laughs> Some have faith, and they pray in agreement. Talking about faith and agreement. They pray in agreement, and God touches the eye, and something starts to happen. So we want to live out of that place that isn't just linked to our theology or experience or the testimonies of others, and they can be positive or negative. Oftentimes, the testimonies are not positive from others, rather negative. Well, you know, I, I, they said it was a good meeting, but I, I don't know. God didn't touch me, and mumble, grumble, complain, mumble, grumble, lack of faith, doubt in the heart. And what does that do? It just breeds and that's what happens in church cultures all over and throughout the history of the church. And all of a sudden, a church can move from a place corporally of faith all of a sudden into a place of unbelief. In fact, grumbling, criticizing, and complaining. And it just kills faith, quenches the Holy Spirit. Or we can listen to positive testimonies of others. That's why testimonies are important. It builds faith, right? Now, the problem with theology, and there's... Many that have been indoctrinated in theology in seminaries in different places uh, with an anti-supernatural bias. Well, God never really moved in that way. They had real bad, you know, liberal theology. They don't even believe any miracles happened in the Bible. They might have fundamentalist theology. They believe that God once did miracles, but he no longer does those today. We don't need God to do those today because, after all, we've got the completion of the canon of the Scripture and the deity of Christ has been confirmed. So, therefore, we don't really need the miracles today. So, don't expect miracles today because that's just going to give you false hope. And what if you're not healed? What if you are? We're not going to preach the gospel and tell people to be saved because what if they don't accept Christ? 
Do you see the ludicrousy in the argument? God say no. Yeah, theology with an anti-supernatural bias quenches the Holy Spirit, hinders belief God will move in a miraculous way, whether for provision, healing, restoration, and homes, families, marriages, whatever. The Bible is a supernatural book from the front to the back. And by the way, the book of Acts just got started getting written there, and God's still doing the acts of the Holy Spirit today, okay? Pastor, you're adding to the Bible. No, the Spirit of God is still leading the sons and daughters of God. He's never stopped. Let's talk about El Shaddai in a minute. I'll come back to our passage here in Mark 2 in a minute. You remember Abraham and Sarai, or Abram and Sarah, Genesis 17, 1 and 2. Let me read that. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abraham, or Abram falls down and worships the Lord. And he, you know, he's just, he knows God has just reaffirmed the covenant to him. God in that chapter changes his name from Abram to Abraham, Sarai to Sarah. And it's all because he's reaffirming, he's, he's telling them, you're going to be, the father and mother of, of, of a nation of people, right? And that English word or phrase, God Almighty, or in other places, the Almighty God, it translates from a Hebrew phrase, El Shaddai. Now, Shaddai, that Hebrew word, is a divine title, is used 48 times in the Old Testament. Most often appears in the book of Job, something like 31 times, but several times here in Genesis. El Shaddai is the God of Israel, understood according to his absolute power. I want you to hear that today. I am Almighty God. I am El Shaddai, my absolute power. I open the eyes of the blind. <laughs> I open the ears of the deaf. I bring water out of the rock. I part the seas. I bring manna from heaven to feed millions in a desert. I am the God of revival. I am the God of awakening. Is there anything too hard for me? That's what God wants us to get in our spirit. Oh, the pastor needs some money for some air conditioning units. I don't know how God's going to do it. God Almighty, <laughs> maker of heaven and earth, will bring whatever is needed when it's needed. Amen. I've walked with him long enough to know. And believe me, I've prayed all the pity prayers. Oh, God. Listen, when we, we're not praying from earth to heaven to try to get his attention. We're praying from heavenly realms. We're seated together with him in the heavenly realm. We're praying from there knowing that we are united with Christ himself. The almighty God, El Shaddai, who can make a barren womb give birth. Who can make a nation give birth in a day who can turn your family situation around, your financial situation around, can make the lame walk and the blind to see. This is who we serve. Amen. El Shaddai is one of the names of God, emphasizing his power, might, and ability to provide and sustain. Amen. 
It conveys the idea of God as the all-sufficient, all-powerful, and nurturing one. Abraham and Sarah, they were past the years of having children. They were incapable. But God moved supernaturally upon them with his very life. El Shaddai breathed on them. And he first began to breathe on them when he changed their names, signifying what he was about to do. They had to still wait something. You see, sometimes God begins to give us a prophetic glimpse of what he's about to do, but there's some distance we need to go in faith and say, God, I'm going to hold on here in faith. My circumstances haven't changed, but I'm going to believe because you said, and if you spoke, therefore it is. And it came to pass at the appointed time, Genesis 21, verse 1. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. He is God Almighty, El Shaddai, the all-powerful God who is enough. He is enough, church. He can do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. You see, church, there are groanings that can't be uttered human origin. It says, El Shaddai begins to breathe on you on a promise that he has made. Maybe it's a promise in his word. Maybe it's a promise he spoke into your heart. He begins to breathe on that. And all of a sudden, you may get, start getting a stirring to start to pray. And all of a sudden, something may come out. It's even bolder. It's like, where did that boldness come from? That's El Shaddai. That's the very life of God beginning to breathe on you. Just like right now, all of a sudden, is welling up inside of me to preach to you, Faith. It's God himself saying, church, if anyone wills, let him come. Drink from the living waters, from the well of life. How do we stay in this place of faith? How do we get there? What's the key? Stay in the secret place with the Lord. Stay in worship. Stay in his word. Fix your eyes on him, not your circumstances or, or what your senses are telling us. Let God build your faith. Psalm 91 verse 1. Most of you know this verse. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow, can you name it, of the Almighty. Anybody have a guess for what that translates to in Hebrew? El Shaddai. Actually, just Shaddai, but basically El Shaddai. Now, with my description of El Shaddai, now read that verse again. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of El Shaddai. The God who sees and knows your every need. The God who is the miraculous provider. The God who is able to do for us what we simply cannot do for ourselves. Where does it come from? Abiding in the secret place. When we do that, we can rest in his presence. Shadow of his love and power and might rest over us. We can rest in him, trust in him. Oh, that's where I want to live. I want to live in that place. Now let's go back a little bit. Let's, let's look at another passage here in Mark. You know, believing can take 
some opposite forms, right? Believing can be faith-filled or believing can be doubt-filled. And so it can either be faith or doubt. Now, you remember, and I won't for time get into the whole story, but Mark 11, 23 and 24, Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. He sees a fig tree. There's no fruit on it. It's not the season for fruit, yet Jesus expects fruit to be on the tree. He uses the illustration. He curses the fig tree. He speaks to it. They pass by it the next day. That fig tree is withered up. By the way, your words have power. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. If you're releasing negativity, doubt, and unbelief, that's what you're going to reap. Speak words of faith over your life, over the situation, right? Over the church, over America. Speak words of life, right? So Jesus teaches them a principle, Mark 11, 23, 24. They were like, Lord, the fig tree that you cursed. He says, whoever says to the mountain, power in your words. Faith-filled words have power to them. When we're declaring healing or releasing words of knowledge, we're not just, no, it's, it's a word of faith for you to grab a hold of and say, boom. In fact, I'm just going to release a word right now. I just feel the Lord said it. I break right now financial lack over the church, and I release, God, financial provision. Father, I thank you for your provision over your people. You are Lord Jehovah Jireh, the God who sees and knows our every need. And I declare that over your people, God, in Jesus' name. Those who love the Lord shall not lack any good thing. That's his word. Receive it. Amen. I'm not saying everybody's going to have, you know, a $5 million house and some expensive car. No, but you'll have what you have need of. He's the provider. Whoever says to the mountain, Mark 11:23, and does not doubt in his heart... But believe that those things he says will be done. Amen. Pastor, you're just trying to whip everybody up into excitement. <laughs> no, I'm trying to get everybody into a place of faith. It's his word. Amen. Those are red letter words. The words of Jesus. Amen. Doubt is the reverse of faith. Doubt tells you that God does not exist or that he's unloving or uncaring about your need. Doubt will tell you that God's some cosmic genie out there somewhere in the universe, the far reaches, and he doesn't really, you know, he's not really that too involved. And, you know, and in fact, he, you know, he's too busy really to hear your prayer. I, you know, I've heard that from people. God's too busy really to answer my prayer. He's got more important things to do. Wait a minute. Hello? Else to die. The ever-present, all-present, all-powerful God always, everywhere even in your most challenging moment, he's there with you. And he hears the cry of the righteous. Faith is imparted grace to the heart. Romans 10, 17, Paul says, faith comes by hearing or understanding and hearing by a word of God. It's grace given. You see, when God gives a word, whether it's out of his logos word and that here in that passage, it's about the rhema word. It's a, a breathed upon word that's now. It's an active word now. When he breathes on that, it, it's to release faith in the heart. Years ago, before we started the construction on this new sanctuary building, I'm on a meeting down in Brazil. I shared a lot last week about our trip Pastor Carolyn and I just made down to Brazil. If you weren't here, I encourage you to watch or listen to that message. 
and uh, lots of stories of healing, miracles. But I was on another trip down to Brazil one time, and God was speaking to me in one of the meetings down there about building the new sanctuary, and he gave me a most obscure verse out of the Bible. In fact, the New King James Version, exactly. And it's Zechariah 8.12. And if you look at Zechariah 8.12, that is the most bizarre building program word you'll probably ever get. And God says in it, it's talking about the prophet, it's actually talking about the seed of Israel, but the Lord highlighted that word to me. It says, the seed shall be prosperous, and there's more to the verse. And when I, when I read that verse and he spoke it to me, I'm like, whoa. And he began to speak to me then about making several trips to India. We made, I made several evangelistic trips to India, part of teams, some teams I did myself. We even built a a community center over there that's used for a church. He says, as you sow seed into India, watch the building I give to you. Amen. God, it was the most bizarre way. We spent over the next four or five years nearly $90,000 in missions trips and crusades that we did over there and building that building over there. And it was like the most bizarre way to start a building program. But God was in it. And you know what? The, see, he knows something maybe we don't know. Do you know that it was soon after that season of time, the nation of India changed, the government changed. You no longer could do large evangelistic crusades outdoors anymore there. We had as many as some of those meetings, 100,000 people at a time. I've preached to thousands over there, seen all kinds of miracles, hundreds running to the altar to accept Christ. That was God's way of ministering to a nation, but also getting us in a place of faith. And then he started doing miraculous things here, and this building's a miraculous building. You see, you just can't figure God out. But you can obey. Listen and obey. I like what the late Oral Roberts said. He was such a faith person. He said, doubt and do without, with faith believe and receive. Love that. Doubt and do without, with faith believe and receive. The late Oral Roberts, good word. You see, we should expect a miracle. Expectancy opens your life to God and puts you in a position to receive salvation, joy, health, finances, peace, etc. All right, try to finish this up here rather quickly. I got started a little late. The four men, okay, let's go back to our story in Mark chapter 2. The four men bring the paralytic to Jesus. He's healed after they had broken through the roof. Four men had faith, they're in agreement, and they're not going to give up. They're persistent. Now, there's no mention of the paralytic's faith. And so that's the mystery behind faith. It, it, you know, sometimes a person receiving prayer has faith. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes the person praying for the person to receive a miracle has faith. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes there's corporate faith. Sometimes there's not. <laughs> and then there's a supernatural gift of faith that God can give. In fact, I encourage you, if you need a miracle, if you're watching and you need a miracle, ask God for a gift of faith to be released. Because the gift of faith and miracles go hand in hand. It work as a tandem oftentimes. In verse 5 of Mark 2, what, what happened? It says, when Jesus saw their faith... The man didn't have faith, but the four that brought him there had faith. Many times the people we're trying to get to Jesus for healing or breakthrough have little or no faith. And if you're here today and you have little or no faith, listen, you're in a good place because there's a bunch of people that have faith here today, okay? 
They're willing to take the roof off. Wait a minute, don't get up on the roof, everybody, okay? They're willing to take you and bring you right to the feet of Jesus. Jesus saw their faith, their persistence and agreement for the man's healing. You see, there's strength in unity, church. Deuteronomy 32.30 and Joshua 23.10 says this, both verses very similar. says, one can chase a thousand, but two shall be able to put 10,000 to flight. It's exponential. One a thousand, two ten thousand. In the military, we call that a force multiplier. You take a smaller force and they're trained well, they work in unity, they're able to accomplish much more than a larger force, right? Luke 10.1, Jesus appoints the 70 other disciples. How did he send them out? Two by two, every city. Strength and unity, right? Acts 13.2, Holy Spirit says, separate me, Barnabas and Saul. Apostolic ministry being released through those two. But listen, he's going to work in tandem, right? There's, there's power in agreement, church, right? Acts 3, Peter and John, they're ministering to the layman. Through the strength of their unified faith, the miracle was done. So I'm mentioning these verses and cases to show you there is authority and power in the prayer of agreement. Now, let's take a look at Matthew 18. 18 and 19, and understand the context of this actually is verses 15 through 20. It's about how to deal with the sinning brother, okay, or someone that has sinned against you. But, but there's a principle here that we can glean out of that about prayer here. So verse 18 and 19, he says this, truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Now, that word agree in verse 19 is from the Greek symphoneo, which we get the English word symphony from, right? It means to agree or be in harmony with like a symphony. And it means to come to terms or agreement. Now, that phrase, whatever you bind on earth, literally will already have been bound in heaven. When you, united in prayer and obedience, the church will affirm on earth what God had already decided in heaven. Now, again, that's got to do with the essence of a, the case of a sinning person. God has already decided forgiveness for that person and restoration. That's God's decision. And so the church needs to agree with that is what the whole context of this is about, right? But again, the principle of prayer here is important. So if God says, I am your healer, and the two of you or others, we agree, then we can expect that will have already been done in heaven for that person. If you focus merely on, well, pastor, what about the ones we don't see? You'll talk yourself right out of faith. Listen, what about the ones we do see healed? So you come into a place of agreement with heaven. It's God's will to heal. It's his desire to heal. But pastor, I don't, I don't believe that. Well, you got bad theology. I'm sorry. We sweep under the rug of the sovereignty of God. Oh, well, if it's his will. Yes, there can be hindrances to healing, but it's God's will to heal. That's the starting ground. If it wasn't his will to heal, why did Jesus ever come and die that horrible death on the cross, shed his blood, carry our sin, our brokenness, our disease? Why? Because he's a healing God Amen. of our sin, of our broken hearts, of our broken bodies. 
So when we get rid of the bad theology and we come into a place of agreement with what heaven has already decreed, wow, it's powerful. I'll write some of this up in an article this week. You can dig through it, those of you that want more teaching on this. You see, the faith and compassion, I'll come to a close here, the faith and compassion of four men, coupled with their agreement on earth, cooperated with heaven for their friend's miracle. We shared so many stories last week of some of the different healings, miracles that we saw happen. In every case, right, it was one of us with either a translator and that person or maybe a friend of that person coming into a place of agreement for their healing and miracles. Whether it was a lady that I prayed for, the one lady that I shared pictures with last week, you know, that she came up with a deformed left arm, she had pain in that arm, wanted prayer, prayed for that, the pain left, and I go, what about that right ear that you were born deaf with? She can hear fine out of the left ear. You want me to pray for that? And so all of a sudden, I'm getting her agreement. The young translators just watched some others get healed, and now we saw her, the pain in her arm leave, his face there, there's agreement there. Are you with me? And now I'm praying and just asking the Holy Spirit to come. I'm just working, cooperating in agreement with the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. And, all, and the Holy Spirit's resting on her. All of a sudden, she just gets weak need, and she's going down. He catches her, and as she's going down, boom, that right, that right, right ear, right ear pops open. And she can hear perfectly. Why? A prayer of agreement. So we're always trying to get that. Per Again, sometimes people that come, they don't have much faith, but there's others that can gather with them and pray. That's why a lot of times we have a husband and wife teams up here praying together. There's power and agreement as we pray for you, right? Doesn't matter what the miracle, what the need is. Financial, breakthrough. Four men had a revelation, all things are possible with God. Would you go ahead and stand so I gave you a little, little quick one today. But I think we built faith in the room. What's your need here today? What do you need a miracle for? What do you need a breakthrough for? How much faith do you have that God would actually move today? Again, as I shared last week, if you saw Jesus walk in the room and stand right up here and said, I'm here, church, what's your need? I, everybody would right, expect but he's here. Holy Spirit is here in us, with us. How much do we want to pull on heaven and get someone to agree with us? If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, wow, give you, make a decision. Or if you're backslidden, make a decision. I want to be all in with him. I, I don't want to live one foot in the world and one foot with God and no, no, I want to surrender all and let Jesus be the Lord of my life. And so I encourage you, if that's you, make, have someone pray with you in agreement today to help you break through, right? And again, if you need someone to agree with you, whether it's healing, finances, relationship issue, whatever it is, job situation, let, let's, let's go for it. It's going to be 111 out today. Good God help us, amen. <laughs> Don't rush out. Let's receive what God has. The coffee's going to stay hot out there. Believe me, it's going to stay hot. If you need to go, I know, I understand. Some of you got plans, go. But listen, let's make this an altar, and let's pull on heaven today. Amen. Father, I ask right now all over the room. And by the way, there was a word of knowledge last week about migraines. Uh, 
And the Lord reminded me of that word today. There's some that are here today with severe migraines. Is that you just wave your hand if that migraines? Okay, make your way up here. We want to pray for you because I believe today he wants to heal the migraines, okay? Uh, he specific, I mean, that wasn't even a word I gave last week. Somebody else gave that word, but he reminded me of that word today about migraines, okay? Out of all the words that were given, that one word. But if you've got any other kind of condition today, you want prayer for healing, come on up here. Believe God for healing. Father, I'm asking for your healing presence right now to rest on people all over the room. And Father, these with the migraines, just stretch out your hands and your heart to them. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to come on them right now. And I break the power of the migraines over them. Holy Spirit, increase your healing anointing, your healing presence. Migraines, go in Jesus' name. Pain, go in Jesus' name. Be healed. Be healed. Now let the team just keep praying for it. Again, if you need to come up, if you have other prayer needs, want to rededicate your life to the Lord, you need healing prayer for anything else, any other situation, someone to pray with you about finances or anything else, come on up. Again, if you need to go, go, be blessed have a nice, cool Sunday afternoon. Amen. We've got the coffee ministry out there. Feel free to stop by fellowship and spend some time with